I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Guys, we are here with the Hollywood Life podcast, and I see we have a couple of new things today. We have my co-anchor, Ali Stagnita, who looks like she's like out on the street in New York City. I Welcome, am. Allie. I am. Hi, Bonnie. I am out on the street in the city um, because they are demolishing two apartments next to mine and above mine. So I did not want to interrupt our amazing conversation today with. Um, pools and construction. So I'm at a little cafe and it's very lovely. Um, and I'm looking out at the city. It's great. But I'm very well, distant from everybody. Good. Well, I think that's <laughs> terrific. And also you are demonstrating in live time that New York City is quite fine to be in. We are alive and well, yes. Alive and well and safe and wonderful. And then we have a very special guest who we are Zooming in with from mm -hmm. LA. We are so excited. We've been big fans for a long time. Welcome, Melissa Rivers. Hi, ladies. Now, Ooh. Bonnie, where are you? I am out in the wilds of Westchester, just outside New York City. And it's beautiful out here. And I'm actually moving my house today and the next couple of days. And we're moving over to out to Greenwich. Ooh. It's a little farther out in the wild. Very fancy. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so Connecticut lady. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very fancy area. Yes. Well, I will. I uh, will keep you all apprised. But uh, we have like just a lot of trees around where we are, and I expect a lot of wildlife. There's a lot of wildlife life actually out here, and um, deer and raccoons and hawks. And so I'm looking forward to even more of that, which I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I love Connecticut. My mom had a beautiful home in Connecticut, oh. out here, uh, Washington, and uh, it was a very special place for myself and Cooper, and wonderful memories. And Connecticut, I mean, we it's great, but you got to be careful of the deer ticks. Yes, yes, yes. the big the deer ticks. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for that advice. And listen, you have been a very busy lady um, mm -hmm. in the past few months, like. Just because, you know, quarantine's been going on, you've got a lot of projects. And um, we've been keeping up with your Melissa Rivers group text podcast. And uh, everybody who goes on your Instagram sees the, you know, your great promos. So well, tell us, like, why you've been so excited about doing this podcast and what you love doing about it. We're happy to have you on ours, but we, what are you doing with yours? Well, hopefully having you guys on at some point. Yeah. Um, what it is, you know, I have an amazing, if I do say it so myself, a great group of friends who we all went to Penn together and we have this group text where it's 
every, it's just, it's all a lot of silly and everyone's going back and forth and there's a lot of jokes and, you know, we ended up originally, what, this is sort of where the inception was, was we ended up watching a lot of the debates together, but texting during the debates and I went back and read them and they were really funny and they kept going in and out and jokes and this and that. And I thought, wow, that's kind of what I want to do as a podcast. Um, I want to be able to talk about things in a group and some is serious, some is light. And, and that was sort of the inception. And, you know, now it's group text. My, and now I have a bigger group text since quarantine on a different platform, on a, on a Wicker platform. And there's 28 of us all who all went to college together. Wow. And, um, I, I pull a lot of different ideas from whatever it is, because we talk about everything from cults to the <laughs> Emmys to politics to, you know, all of us have kids going back to school. And um, yeah, no, the other day, we, this morning, we were actually discussing uh, glass frames. They liked my new glass frames on my Instagram. So ah. we had a whole discussion about glasses today already. So like I said, it's really about everything. And that's what I kind of brought to group text. And I love well, how it's so about like the connection to, to like just staying connected right now, especially, and that you can do it virtually. You can still have those conversations and, and be with your people despite, you know, the distance. Right. And I, wanted, I have so many different interests. And I think that's what I, I really enjoy about podcasting is like, like I said, I can talk about, we did a whole... A series called Can We Talk? Can We Listen? during the whole Black Lives Matter uh, blow up. And then, you know, the next week we'll do, you know, what I always called looking good, feeling good about all the new lasers everybody can do to not look like crap when we all crawl out of quarantine. <laughs> so it's really like a mixed bag, but all of our lives and what we're interested in are is a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. Just started during the some debates i'm assuming political debates are you and your friends going to be group texting during the presidential debates which are about to start between donald trump and joe biden oh i'm sure we will be you know i i'm sad because one of my obsessions during the uh democratic uh debates was bernie sanders hair so <laughs> i'm kind of sad i'm not gonna have that because if you go back and look his hair is usually terrible, but whoever was grooming him for the debates, his hair was outstanding. I love that. That's hysterical. Yeah. Well, um, we will actually, is there any way we can, I guess we don't get to see your comments because we're not on your group text, but I would love to be watching your comments during the upcoming presidential, presidential debates. Um, I'm sure they would be very interesting. Now, um, you have been doing something that I think has made a lot of people feel better during quarantine the past few months. You've been posting your mother, Joan Rivers, old, like her joke cards, like what she literally would write her jokes on, on your Twitter and your Instagram. Yeah, um, I started doing that at the beginning of quarantine because it was just like everybody, is always like, what would your mom think? What would your mom say, blah, blah. And I thought, you know, I'm not gonna try and guess, even though in my head I probably could. Um, 
and it's, everyone's like, do you hear her? I'm like, way too much. Like, I need to tell the voice to go away. Sometimes, <laughs> like, stop. You can't just criticize me from the afterlife. Um, so I started going through the cards with, with a few, with her old assistant and, and some friends. And we're like, let's just start posting them. And yeah. I think people love them. Yes. Yeah, like she literally would type out her jokes, right? On yes. these little old cards. Yes. So, you know, we have what was the famous filing cabinet, which was all of her jokes. And then also she would have them on scraps of paper and all these different things. And she would eventually, you know, or the assistant would, you know, and them, uh, put them on a card and file them and things for cross-reference. I think we had something like 70 something, like 78,000 unique cards and I think it was like 82 with cross-referencing oh my gosh yeah I mean she was it just even looking at the cards it's a reminder of just what a trailblazer she was and how she was just so ahead of our her time our time um and I do think I mean I can't imagine what it what it is like for you as her daughter but even just for me growing up watching her on fashion police listening to her um you do wonder, you say, well, what would Joan Rivers say about this? Whether it's an outfit on the red carpet or it's just something, you know, totally out of this. I mean, Donald Trump's being public. You know, what would Joan Rivers say about this? <laughs> she would have a lot to say about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, we, we, I'm just launching on my podcast. I do these little mini series, um, a conversation with a lot of different comedians. I think the first one we're going to post is Bob Saget because we talk about, and which I is, comedy as we know it dead yeah why why do you think it's dead i i don't know i don't think it's dead that's kind of the question i pose it's really what does comedy in the future look like because we're living in this very hypersensitive hyper aware um self-editing culture right now out of fear i think um my question is always like, when are we gonna, when are we gonna let, be allowed to make jokes again? And I'm not talking about jokes that are, we all know where the line is, you know? And, and how comedians and comedy writers are sort of trying to adjust to this new culture. I, I did a really interesting conversation with Mark Cherry, uh, who was, wrote Golden Girls and Desperate Housewives, his credits go on and on. And we were talking, and it'll be on the podcast, about he probably would not be allowed to do uh, yeah. Desperate Housewives now because he would walk into a room as a white gay man and they would be like, you can't write about women. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, we kind of get, we, we, we sort of dig a little deeper into how do, how do comedians not self edit? How do we get back to a place that's acceptable, but still, you know, so much of comedy is honesty. Mm-hmm. And just That's a place right. where you can joke and, and, and be, and it's not taken as the news or because or I, you know, it's, something. It's, it's not taken as offensive. It's not, mm -hmm. it's taken. For fact. Right. I mean, think about it. You could not have Richard Pryor now. You mm -hmm. could not have Lenny Bruce now. Lenny Bruce. You could not have Robin Williams. If you go back and look at his stand-up now, you would not have my mother. You maybe could have George Carlin, but I don't think so. And think about the movies. You couldn't have Animal House. You couldn't have, 
airplane. Obviously, we know you couldn't have blazing saddles. So <laughs> you start to roll back and say, yeah. on how the wind. You couldn't, well, yeah, but, and that's not comedy. Well, yeah. right. Um, if someone's acting it out with you, then it's comedy. Um, yeah. But you couldn't, and especially with kind of like, where, where do we go? Mm -hmm. Right. I think those are really, like, those are really important issues and, and really important to think about because comedy is about satire and irony and about poking at accepted ideas and beliefs. And it was a way of almost moving culture forward or just being open mm -hmm. about culture and conversation. Well, also, when I go back and look at some of my mom's transcripts and stuff, it really is sort of, uh, you, you, if you read it from beginning to end, it is about all those social mores. It is about culture evolving. It is about how we view our world through all these years. I mean, there's jokes that we pull up that don't make any sense now because you're not going to be doing whatever. But mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, I mean, you can take, stand up there and take the 30,000, you know, foot or 20,000 foot uh, historical view. And you can trace the culture of, or modern culture basically from the 50s on uh, through comedy of pop culture and what, and what everyone's talking about. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, but it, it, one of the, but like, like I said, we're doing a, 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 a little mini series on my podcast about that because I think that for me, that's a huge question. Definitely. Um, and you know, I want to talk about this a little bit because you posted um, when it was Suicide Prevention Month. Um, Which is and open. Yes, September. it still is September, and then October tenth is um, Mental Health Awareness Day. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important um, to discuss this because it's something that you are um, passionate about. Can you tell me just a little bit about your experience um, with mental health and uh, suicide? Absolutely. Um, you know, we've been, my mother and I were very much sort of the first public figures to come out and really open up about losing someone to suicide. I lost my father to suicide. And um, What's interesting for me is I'm on the board of Dee Dee Hurst Mental Health Services and Suicide Prevention, which is a big, uh, we're based in LA, but a big suicide prevention, you know, we run a hotline, we do this, we do it. They're one of the first to uh, do a national hotline or what do we call it now, a lifeline. Again, mm -hmm. all these new words get me very confused, um, as well as providing mental health services uh, in the Los Angeles, Orange County, like our area. Um, you know, I, 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 one of the things we always talk about is erasing the stigma and that has to do with mental health and suicide prevention. Mental health, I think, has taken huge leaps forward that people really talk about it very openly. I think suicide is, is still a beat behind in people talking about that they have suicidal thoughts or that they've lost someone to suicide or they've attempted suicide. And it's interesting being what I refer to as a suicide survivor since I lost my dad to suicide. Um, a, a new study just came out from the CDC, which is, is terrifying that in the last eight weeks, one in four teens or young adults has thought about suicide. Yeah, I saw, and, I saw that. It really is terrifying. And I mean, when you think about it, though, it does make sense that there would be an increase with people being so isolated. Absolutely. Not, not just in quarantine, but also if they aren't going back to school, they aren't going back to college, or they're doing it online. Like people have never been so alone. 
Absolutely. And adults too, you know, I, and, and so at Didi Hirsch, we really try and make all of our services available. We made this very fast pivot into telemedicine and being able, our volunteers are amazing. We're able to shift to working remotely and now they're sort of sporadically back in the building. We have a huge, but beautiful building finally. And we're one of the, I think we're one of two in the country that actually has signage that says suicide prevention center on the outside. So I'm really proud of being a part of DD Hirsch and anybody who wants to donate can go to ddhirsch.com. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I'm very, I've always been very vocal about suicide. You know, the funny thing is, is uh, I had a friend who committed suicide freshman year in college. Oh, that's and I, Yeah. And I had a conversation with my father who said, never forget, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And then a year later, I lose my father to suicide. Right. So it's always been, you know, a big part of my life. What I always think is so interesting is something that was one of the most painful, most tragic, and something that I was so angry about mm -hmm. became sort of some, at this point in my life, something that is so impactful in a positive way. Right. Um, Melissa, why, what are, have you learned about why people, why there is this increase in um, depression, anxiety, and substance use in the past few months? And you're seeing such an increase in young people having suicidal thoughts. What have you learned through? Well, through I, I think you already hit it on the head, which is this isolation that we all have. And, you know, I, I, I've, think that there's been a lot of problems with social media, with teens, especially with this kind of a modality. And then you put everybody into a quarantine situation and everybody, I mean, we've seen it in adults, everyone is lonely and sad and you sort of have time to ruminate. It's really affected, uh, you know, people with pre-existing mental health conditions, whether it be depression, anxiety, OCD, all these different things. Um, I think the main thing is there is help. We have seen this and it's something, again, people cannot be scared to talk about. It is not embarrassing. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I think maybe one of the upshots of quarantine is people are talking about it much more and getting rid of the, the fear factor and the, the feelings of shame that can very much be associated with it especially, you know, if people are scared to re reach out and then we're seeing a huge tick up in a margin in black and brown communities because it's still very stigmatized to be depressed, to ask for help in, in those, uh, in the marginalized communities. And you're, you've got, so you have a hotline, um, when we, we run our stories about this, we'll make sure to put it in there. Yeah. And we're one of the only, what we call the disaster relief 
hotlines for all of our you know friends who go through disasters like what's going on with the hurricanes and with fires we really have a lot of we've been seeing a lot of people calling the disaster relief hotline we've seen a lot of it also for people during this downturn in the economy especially at the beginning of covid where people literally thought they were going to lose their homes so we run mm -hmm. a double a double a, a, a two different hotlines and we're also in a pilot program now which i've so which i've always said has to happen especially for teens uh, a text hotline oh that's great now, now we're in a pilot program with that now you said with your father um that you had a lot of anger afterwards and is that a have you learned is that a kind of a, a normal response for a survivor and how did you overcome that um absolutely it's a normal response um how did i overcome it therapy time acceptance uh talking to other survivors am I, I i'm the ambassador for a group out here called our house which is a grief counseling center um you know whenever i hear about someone i marriott hartley so there are the three people who remember who she is is an actress from the 80s mm -hmm. I, I, you're marrying marriott yes of course and uh, she, I did never met her. I don't think, she, I think maybe she had met my mom once. And the day after my dad killed himself, she called me. She got our number and said to me, I, you know, I'm so sorry, but I got to tell you a story because I went through this. And, I, and she told me the story and it gave me hope. And I held on to that, that I was going to be okay. So whenever I hear of someone or I've talked to someone or some one of my friends knows someone i will pick up a phone and say this sucks it's terrible it's awful all i can do is tell you my story and that you're going to be okay mm -hmm. and you know getting to that point talking about it therapy all these different things in time you work through it you you know i can honestly say now i love my father I respect my father, I miss my father, and I'm completely comfortable saying, and what he did was really shitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it makes you, is it, it, it takes a long time to get to that. Yeah. yeah. Is it because you, you're angry that they didn't share how they felt with you and that they left you, like they didn't say goodbye, they, they left you to have your life without them? Um, I think, that's a lot of where the anger comes from. The why someone else told me, don't go down the uh, rabbit hole if the if onlys mm -hmm. um, or the what ifs, which I definitely went down at one point. Um, if, you know, there's anger. There's just, there's anger. Why did you leave me? Wasn't I worth staying? Uh, you know, all these, you know, it's pretty easy to figure out the questions that people where ask uh, where and where their minds can go mm -hmm. and you know it's it's terribly it, it, there's just an element of despair and anger and you know for me it was the how, how could you leave me mm -hmm. how, how could you do this to me and then you find out later you know he was suffering from depression and all these different things and again, you, this was back in uh, 87, there right. weren't the resources mm -hmm. that we have now. Even um, the medications are different now. So 
you know, we've come a long way. And I just, you know, anyone who, who thinks that it's like, first of all, you're going to be okay. There's help. Reach out, talk to someone, especially now reach out. There is nothing shameful about any of these emotions or depressions or any of things that people are going through because you're not alone. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful advice. Um, when you now, and I, I do think like just getting back to your mother and what you're doing with her in terms of giving people something to feel good about every day when you're showing her cards, you've got your son home now, right? From college? No, my son went back. He's, yeah. uh, uh, I think you were saying your son is at Vassar. I don't know if they're, are they fully remote? at Vassar? No, they're, they're back, but even there, they have to do a lot of classes online. So yeah, my son's in the same situation, the hybrid situation. So, um, and he's, he's a sophomore this year. So it was, uh, he, he abandoned me again. <laughs> he didn't, uh, like this turns into therapy. I feel abandoned again. Um, yeah. So he's, he's back at school on a hybrid system. Like finally, like you were saying your son is, and um, it's scary having them back at school. Yeah. I it's, definitely yeah. know my mom feels the same way. <laughs> yeah. And like, Bonnie, you don't get to be, to achieve the excess that you've achieved without perhaps being a little controlling of everything that goes on around you. And I think my son would say that I can be a little overbearing perhaps and slightly controlling. I don't know if your child has had the same experience, <laughs> but most children of mothers who are successful, I felt my mother was very controlling. <laughs> feel that way. So really having him completely out of my control is flipping terrifying right now. I think I that's normal. And I think all mothers are, I think most mothers are controlling. You know, yes. you want the best for your kids. You worry about them all the time. It's just a mother thing. Yeah, I gotta say too, and with the Jewish moms, I mean, mine is all over me. She might just come down this weekend for Yom Kippur to to make sure I don't eat. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. Did he? Did your son help you choose any of the joke cards? And how close was he to your mother? Like, did he experience her and her? you know, her humor? Yes, he had nothing to do with uh, choosing the joke cards, which I think is actually really healthy for a 19-year-old boy. <laughs> he yeah. should not be sitting and going through grandma's joke cards. Do you like this one about going to the gynecologist? Or yeah. do you like this one about housework? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny vagina Yeah, joke. I don't think he needs to be reading all of grandma's vagina jokes. Um, <laughs> Just, you know, and really has the inter interest in that of like a gnat. Um, <laughs> but uh, they were my, and, and I think a lot of people know this, my mom and my son were incredibly close, incredibly, yeah. incredibly close. So, um, you know, it'll always be a gap in his life. He, I posted a picture of the flowers he sent me on the anniversary of her yeah. death. I saw that. It's beautiful. Yeah. With the card that said, grandma will always be with us. And he has a oh. picture of him and my mom next to his bed here at home. And it's always one of those things, like what would I, you always say to him, if you're ever gone and there's like the earthquake or the fire, what do you want me to grab? And it's always that. So, um, 
yeah, he's, but he's doing great. It was, and again, this goes back to the mental health and the suicide prevention and all that. Um, one of the hardest moments for me after my mother passed was Cooper was in his room and I, I, he was really upset. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, nothing will ever be good again. Oh. And I said to him, that's not true. Life is going to be wonderful and, and we're going to have fun. It will not be the same, but mm -hmm. it will still be amazing. And I think that plays in a lot, especially right now with everything everybody's going through to mental health and suicide prevention, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It, you know what? Just because it's not going to be the same doesn't mean it can't be great. Mm -hmm. I think that that is really incredible advice. Um, just today and, and every day to, to yeah. remember and to think about. But yeah, there's, they were super, super close. And, you know, I just found a picture someone sent me of him when he was seven with me in Scotland when my mother was at the Edinburgh Festival. And I sent it to him. He's like, oh my God, you know. So he misses, he'll always miss her. But I think um, what, I think you just, you know, gave some great words in terms of, of advice in terms of the whole COVID experience that, that we're all going through is that things may not be the same, at least for quite a while, but I mean, at one point we will be beyond this. Like we will get to a better place. It's not permanent as, um, as your father said. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope I try and take my own advice. I'm really bad at taking my own advice. I always felt I should do a show called really bad advice and <laughs> yeah, I can give people what like actually goes on in my head because I'm really good you. at giving advice to other people and horrible about taking it. Yeah. Yep. Do you think your, your mother would be really missing red carpets right now? Well, we hadn't done a red carpet in a long time, but we had done fashion police. And of course I'm, you know, I, I watched the pandemies and it's yeah. weird. It's weird not to have a, a red carpet. It's for me so much. And maybe that's just because I'm was part of the group that put together our original live from the red carpet. And it's such a part of my legacy. I always say, I don't know if we upped television and made a difference in television or we released the Kraken. I'm not really hundred percent sure if I'm going to heaven <laughs> or hell for what we created. It's really a 50, 50. Um, but, but, um, I'll vote for I, heaven. I'll stand up for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's really, nah, it's a 50, 50 on that one. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be a long time before the energy and the fun of the red carpet is back. My mom used to say it was like being at the greatest cocktail party ever. You talked to yeah. everybody for two minutes and moved on. Yeah. You know what I true. mean? Like, it's true. It was like, you got to see everybody, you got to chat with everybody. And then you look around, you're like, okay, good. I can do, what is it called? The uh, Irish goodbye and just disappear. And <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, you know, and, and also with the fashion. Good we would be missing fashion police. And I, I think, um, I don't know how that's gonna get sorted out. I really don't. I mean, I have ideas, if anybody cares to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> but no, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if women are really gonna get, and men too, get dressed up 
to go do a twirl in front of a green screen so that it can then just be posted and run. Someone the other day suggested that they'll be able to do it with social distancing again, but you're not going to be able to have the press there. Mm -hmm. You know, packed in and I don't know about you, Bonnie, but I wouldn't trust a pool feed to necessarily get the fashion shots I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And listen, bringing up the other issue that we talked about earlier, can you even go in with the same kind of like fun criticism no. or of what people are wearing today? No. We like, stopped we stopped fashion police right before um as the whole me too thing came about and one of my greatest wishes that we had done was that we were still in production for that golden globe where everybody wore black mm -hmm. first everyone's like thank god we weren't doing that i'm like no 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 it was the greatest project runway ever most beautiful women in the world top designers must be black go and we saw such creativity such individuality that it was amazing that you put everybody in the same color it was like a challenge and yeah. yet the fashion was phenomenal i'm like we need you know does anybody want a suggestion let's pick a color for every award show because it made it so much fun but no we can't criticize anymore god forbid no. we say to someone as we used to say you know, my mom used to say, when you're making $20 million a picture and we don't like one dress that you're wearing that you got for free during a press tour, you might want to reevaluate your, your, your price, yourself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Melissa, this was so fun with you today. I know that we've um, had you on for a little bit longer than we said we would, so I don't want to keep you. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Well, thank you for joining us, and thank you for remaining with us through my technical difficulties. <laughs> Not a problem. I've had them myself. <laughs> and... Um, Everybody tune, well, yes, kind of tune in, listen in to Melissa Rivers' Group Text Podcast. And um, if you are not feeling great, uh, you know, the, you take advantage of the D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Service, their special hotline, and in our stories, we'll make sure to have the number and call it. If you're not feeling good in, mentally in any way, before you do anything else, talk to somebody who can help you. And I think it's wonderful, Melissa, that you have taken that initiative. Thank you so much. And so good to see everybody, even if it's just by Zoom. Yes. Exactly. I like the picture frames that are behind you, too. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> see, there's my, head, my head blocks the ring light. Love that. Uh, right. <laughs> well done. Amazing. Um, and Melissa, I will get in touch with you 
about all things across. Also, my parents are Penn grads, so they'll oh. be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Okay, we're all Pennsylvania. You guys are in a, in a good sisterhood here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So lacrosse thing. Yeah. Awesome. Go with us. All right. Go okay. With Thanks. Bye. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye.